Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Whenever God is going to shake up a nation or change the course of human history, God always begins with a man. Whether it's Moses, Whitfield, Spurgeon, Moody, Edwards, Luther, Wycliffe, Knox, Martin Luther, John Wesley, Calvin, or Smith, a Samuel, or tonight we meet a man crowned Israel's new king, Saul. And we learned the people last time, last Wednesday. Were you with me last Wednesday? Um, Let's do that again. Were you with me last Wednesday? Let me see. Okay, good. Then you know that last time the people wanted a king, it grieved Samuel. God told Samuel, they haven't rejected you, they have rejected me. It grieved Samuel, but it grieved God more. Someone once said, be careful what you ask for, because you just might what? Get it? Chapter 9, verse 1. Kish, a mighty man of wealth and substance and influence, had a son whose name was Saul. The Bible tells us Saul was tall, dark, and handsome, and rich. The Bible tells us he was the tallest, best-looking man in Israel. Chapter 9, verse 2. The people wanted a king, and God gave the people what they wanted. God gave the people what they wanted, and he gave it to them in an interesting way. Last week we saw a few donkeys got lost, remember? And Saul and his servants were out looking for the donkey from one area to another. They ran into a few girls, and they asked, Is the seer or the prophet here? And they said, Yes, he's going to the high place. You'll run into him there. And as they came into the city, Saul bumped right into Samuel face to face. Samuel spent time with Saul over dinner. And while leaving the next morning, chapter 9, verse 26, 25, 26, 27, while leaving the next morning, they sent the servants ahead as they were walking out of the city. And they're talking about Saul's destiny as king of Israel. Now, before God reveals Saul to the nation, God has to do something important. I've titled this sermon, Saul is Anointed King. 1 Samuel chapter 10, saints. We're going to take it in big chunks because we've got a lot to cover tonight. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10, we're picking up in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head, his Saul's head, and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, you will find two men from Rachel's tomb in the territory of Ben, Benjamin, 
at Zelzah, and they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? And then, that was number one. I'll tell you in reference number one to what in a second, but that was number one. Number two, then you shall go on forward from there and come to the Tebereth tree of Tabor. There three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, another carrying a skin of wine, and they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread which you shall receive from their hands. And number three, after that you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistines garrison is, and it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with stringed instruments and tambourines and flutes and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. And then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. I want you to underline verse 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy, Saul, with them, those prophets coming down, and be turned into another man. And let it be in verse 7, are you with me? When these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. And so it was. I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. So it was. When he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart and all those signs one two three all those signs came to pass that day say stop right there give me your attention if you've been with us you know that this has been a strange day or I should actually say a strange couple of two days for Saul the day started with Saul going to find some lost donkeys by the end of the day He's king over all of Israel. Strange couple of two days. And so as Samuel and Saul are walking and talking about Saul's destiny as king, verse 1 tells us that Samuel, look at verse 1 again, Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head, or literally Samuel took a flask of oil and anointed Saul as king. Now, I want to take a few moments and talk about this word. I absolutely love this part of my sermon. I'm going to preach myself happy right now. I love this part. Because I'm going to talk about this word anointing. I've been like chomping at the bit since Monday because I want to talk to you about this word anointing. Because it's a word that we've all heard. It's a word that we all know. Uh, we've all heard it in a religious context oftentimes used by some sweaty evangelist as he slaps you on the forehead and says, the anointing! Right? Usually, we hear this word used in a spiritual, mystical context. I was telling a friend yesterday that this word anointing is not, I repeat, is not a spiritual word. This word anointing is not a spiritual spiritual word. The word anoint, and here's where I want you to write down, take some notes. The word anoint means to rub. It means to sprinkle on 
or to apply an ointment to or an oily liquid. To anoint something simply means to rub something on it. So if tonight you got out your car and you took your little antibacterial stuff and you rubbed it all around your hands and, and all of that and then let it dry out, okay, you just anointed your hands. If you rub lotion on your body today, you anointed your body. If you have shampoo and conditioned your hair, you anointed your head. Not me, but, but, and not a lot of y'all I see either. You've anointed, if you shampoo and condition your hair, you've anointed your head. This word anointed is not a spiritual word at all. The idea, listen to me close, the idea or the symbolism in the Bible of anointing is spiritual. The idea or the symbolism in the Bible, that is spiritual. And it's more than just pouring something on something. When Saul, when Samuel anointed Saul's head and Saul's body, it was a picture of what God was doing in him spiritually. Literally, oil was being poured on Saul. Symbolically, the Holy Spirit was being poured in Saul and equipping him for the job of being the commander and the king over Israel. Now, this is common in the Bible when someone had a particular job to do or a special call or a special function, God would give them an anointing. The priests were anointed for service. The prophets were anointed for service. And did you know? You are anointed for service. How do I know that? Well, the Bible clearly tells us and teaches that every single born-again Christian has an anointing. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. This is so important. I want you to read. Every single born-again Christian, I want you to read this. This verse is for you. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Every Christian has an anointing. In the New Testament, anointing has the idea of being filled and blessed by the Holy Spirit. Listen close. Anointing is the common property of all Christians, not just for a select few, not just for us four and no more. Every Christian is anointed. And the reason I'm telling you that is because sometimes people make the anointing of the Holy Spirit as if it's kind of a members-only club. Am I right about it? Like, like, like only the card-carrying members of the Deeper Life Club are admitted. Sometimes people act like it's for those who are on higher spiritual ground, almost like I have the anointing and you don't. Don't you wish you had it? Or maybe if I wave my jacket at you, the anointing of God will fall upon you. And this is what people understand the anointing to be. No man, listen, no man waving a jacket at you is going to give you the anointing. He might give you something else. But he ain't giving you anointing. The anointing, thank you three people. The anointing is given to you from the Holy Spirit when you give your life to Christ. You have, listen, when you give your life to Christ, you have all the Spirit of God you are going to ever have. God gives it to you without measure. He fills you up with the Holy Spirit. 
and you are anointed at that time. Now, are there fillings and refillings of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Why do you need to be refilled? I told you before, because you leak. I leak? Yeah, you leak. Say amen. Get out there on that 440 and let somebody cut you off. You'll be leaking all over the 40. Are y'all getting me? You leak. So we're being filled constantly by the Holy Spirit. But you have the anointing of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit for every single believer. And might I add, every single believer desperately needs that anointing. Every believer needs the filling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And the reason you need it is because you can't live a victorious life without it. It's impossible to live a Spirit-filled life without the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're living this Christian life in your own power, and your own strength, then you're probably not far enough out into deep enough waters. In other words, God wants your life in the place where you have a constant dependence on Him, looking to Him for almost every breath, depending on Him, needing Him, every second. You, you can't live without the Holy Spirit. And you need Him every day. And I've learned this the hard way. I have. God wants you to be in a place where only He can support you. God wants you to be in a place where you need to be empowered or everything will fall apart. I don't think it's any secret. In the last three months, Every single time I now uh, get vulnerable, uh, every time I always say those three steps is the longest walk from that seat of those three steps to right here is the longest walk in my week. And over the last three months, every time I would walk up those stairs, I, in my spirit, I'm asking the Lord to empower me and give me grace. Because right now, my spiritual life and my walk with God, I can't take a step without Him. I can't, I can't move without Him. I can't breathe without Him. I can't preach without Him. I can't get up here and, and, and open my mouth unless the Holy Spirit anoints me and empowers me. And I'm going to tell you something. In the last three months, I have learned that more than I have in the last 30 years of being a Christian. I think I was, I think it was today. Captain Gilbert, was I talking to you on the phone today? Yeah, for today. We are talking about, you know, uh, you know, needing the Lord and trusting the Lord and walking with the Lord. And, and uh, the Spirit of God and things like that. Were, what were we chatting about? I forgot now. <laughs> Something, stuff like that. And uh, it made me think of, you know, we, we need the Spirit of God. We, we need Him to empower us.
right? And um, and you can't do anything without him. And then I think when you understand that, I think when then when you take the three steps down and go, then you you kind of think. The other thing you wouldn't know is, you know, and I walk down those steps after now having prayed the Holy Spirit empower me, anoint me, and walking down those steps. And now oftentimes walk into my office, I go to the back way and walk in my office and I walk into my door and literally sometimes I fall against the wall and just take a deep breath because the whole time here, like tonight, I'm depending on him to keep me here. I am not kidding you. There are times where while preaching, Satan, and Pastor Jim, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever preached from this pulpit or any pulpit, you know what I'm talking about, where Satan will be speaking in your mind while you're preaching the word. Oh, they ain't listening to you. They ain't, they ain't, they're not listening. They ain't, they're not hearing you. You're wasting your time. Just shut up. Shut up. Tell me. And you could be preaching. You're preaching hard. Y'all wouldn't even know it. But I'm still going at it inside. I'm thinking, are they listening? Are they? And then sometimes it just gets so bad, I'll go, are you listening? <laughs> now you know what I'm doing. <laughs> now you know what I'm doing. Tell it all tonight. Y'all gonna get it all. Get everything. Just get everything. Because it, because you know I'm just in this place of depending. I don't even know if I'm like explaining it right. I just I'm I'm, I'm just you know just trying to help you understand that it's not easy. And sometimes you just kind of go with it. That's what the text says in verse 7. In 6 and 7, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you, Saul, and you're going to prophesy. And, and in verse 7, and let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands. That just means go with it. Saul, so just go with it. Why? Because God is with you. That's why you to go with it. I'm way ahead of myself. I'm not even on verse 7 right now. I'm way ahead of myself. So verse 1. <laughs> Y'all like how I do that? I'm good at this. Man. I've been doing this for a minute. Samuel took a flask of oil. He poured it on his head and he kissed him. Did y'all get that? And the kiss wasn't just a greeting. It was a sign of support of Saul. It was very important that the king of Israel know how, know that he was supported by the prophet. And it was important for Saul to walk away and know that I'm anointed and I have the support of the man of God. Now keep in mind, this is a private anointing. This is not done in front of a big crowd. This was personal and between Saul and Samuel and God. The anointing you have is between you and the Lord. Did you hear me? The anointing you have is between you and the Lord. We've already established that you have it. Now I'm telling you it's between you and the Lord. 
You don't have to prove to anybody that you're spiritual. You don't have to prove to anybody that you're holy. You don't have to prove to anybody that you're anointed. God knows. This anointing between Saul and Samuel was not only a secret, but it was also memorable. Keep in mind, biblical anointing, listen, look at me, biblical anointing and anointing today is very different. Today when somebody is sick and they come up for prayer and we'll take some anointing oil and we anoint them, you know, we take a little dab, you know, hey, y'all see me with my anointing oil, I'm wearing my little bottle, I usually have it up here, it's a little plastic bottle, we take a little dab and we just, you know, and if you feel them really spiritual, you make a cross on your forehead, you know what I mean? You really, you know, you really feel. So you make a cross on their forehead, a little dab, you know, and, and, and you anoint them. That's what we do today. But if you anoint people in the true Old Testament way of anointing, a true Old Testament anointing, they would take a container of oil, however large, and pour the whole thing over your head. Biblical anointing, am I right about it? Biblical anointing was a very messy process. If we did it that way today, nobody ever come for prayer. You need to bring a towel after prayer. It was messy. How do I know that? Psalm 133, verse 2, I have it for you on the screen. It talks about how messy it was. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down onto the edge of his what? Garments. When Samuel was done anointing Saul, he had a bunch of oil in his hair that wouldn't come out and be washed out for weeks. And oil that ran down his clothes that probably ruined his clothes. This is how God wanted it because God wanted it to be memorable that something was poured out into your life. Not just a few drops, but without measure. Notice verse 2. By this time, Saul's head must be spinning. He's thinking, just yesterday I left home and looked for some donkeys. I'm walking here and there and everywhere. I run into some cute girls and then face to face with the prophet of God who takes out a bottle of oil and soaks me and messes up my clothes. And now I'm the king of Israel. Okay, it's an interesting day. And at this point, God knew that Saul's head is spinning and he's needing some confirmation that he's not crazy and that it really is God. So in the next many verses, we pointed out, God is giving Saul three confirmations. I told you one, two, three. Those are confirmations or signs that he can really know that this is really from God. Samuel tells Saul what's going to happen later that day. And listen, I want you to pay close attention as Samuel prophesied to the minute detail of the prophecy. I'm amazed at the prophet's so-called today who prophesy. Aren't you? They tell you, oh, well, you know, I feel the Lord showing me you're going to have a child. And a woman is like out to here. She's eight months pregnant. The Lord is showing me the child is going to have ten fingers and toes. That's not a prophecy. Everybody knows that. Notice the minute detail here. First sign, verse 2. When you leave, notice two men will meet you by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. They will say the donkeys have been found. Notice the detail again. Two men, not one, but two. Listen, if there was only one man there, then Saul's word wasn't true. And the Bible is very clear. If a person prophesies falsely, what should be done? Write this down. 
Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22. Listen as I read. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. Listen, when a word is from God, it is always fulfilled, just as the Lord said, to minute detail. Sign number two, verse three and four. Saul needs to move on from there and go to the Tiberin tree of Tabor. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.